This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today is someone you will all remember and know, Robert Whelan of Rockwell Financial and also of the sister company, Home Digger Mortgages. Um, Robert, welcome back. Great to be here, Stephanie. The last time we had you on, I hadn't had my mortgage sorted and we have been working with Humdinger and I can finally say that we have drawn down our mortgage. I have paid off, we have sold our house, I've paid off the other mortgage and now I am in huge debt to Bank of Ireland thanks to you. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. (laughs) It was actually way less painful than, so the last time I got a mortgage, the first time I got a mortgage, this is my second one, I was on my own and I dealt directly with the bank mm. and I was tormented with the questions like it was it was like it was it was an inquisition but this time I don't know I didn't feel like there was any of that really I'm still self-employed but I think maybe Ashling who was the person we dealt with in Humdinger was she was she getting questions from them absolutely yeah and I suppose firstly um uh, we 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 always say we're in the success business, so uh, a lot of work goes into trying to get people across the line. So it's great because it is an emotional journey, um, for both us and the the client. To be honest yeah. with you, um, yes, in truth. So ba- the, the the role and it's any broker. To be perfectly honest with you, it's not just Humdinger, right? It's why people always say, "Why would you use a broker?" So just in fairness, to to, to be fair to all the mortgage brokers out there, why would you use a broker? It's basically because you need an intermediary, a conduit between you and the bank. And it's that somebody's effectively translating what the bank are asking you. And more times than not, taking the stress and pressure away from you to come up with the answers because they've got the information. You, yeah. You've given the, the broker the information. So they're not. Yeah, because, like, for example, Ashling asked me, I notice from your accounts that you didn't earn a lot of money or as much money in 2021. Can I just ask why that was? And the truth was that I had four miscarriages that year. So I wasn't working. And so she was probably able then to, like, use that information and put it in a way that you know absolutely because that would be a big query particularly for self-employed you know yeah. we've talked about how difficult it is to, to get a mortgage as a self-employed person but um, absolutely and it's just it's the banks at the end of the day and I've said this to everyone all the time the banks really want to give the money out they genuinely do the mm-hmm. problem is is that they've got incredibly stringent lending criteria which are all a consequence of the great financial crash okay so we're all still paying for the sins of the Celtic Tiger that's the God's honest truth in terms of lending yeah. right so because the, the banks are sitting on hundreds of millions in deposits and they've loads of money to give out but what they just want is because the, the, the criteria are so stringent it's just every box must be ticked. They can't have Ash that'll be grand because that's what happened in 2004, 5, 6 and 7. Okay. Ash that'll be grand. It'll be fine. Uh, so the file must be complete. So absolutely from our side it's just about trying to present yourself to the client as the friendly face but ultimately deal with the queries from the bank as much as possible mm-hmm. but then just say listen this is what they're asking and this is why they're asking it because sometimes when you deal directly with the lending institution they'll say why did you do this? Okay. And sometimes people go, why are they asking me this? And for a lot of people, it's like they want both those questions answered. Why did I do it? Why are you asking me this? And I'll, and I'll tell you the answer, but why, why do you why need this information? information? Yeah. And it just reassures people. Now, the application's going fine. They just need this because. Yes, okay. Yeah, no, that, that definitely was my experience. Um, but then, so we, 
used to get these very well constructed emails from Ashling and Humdinger and she'd say okay so here are your options you, yeah. it's, you could go with Bank of Ireland at this rate for yeah. this many years and your repayments will be this mm-hmm. and that was all just so clear because when I was dealing with the Bank of Ireland they were talking about percentages and equations and I was like oh just tell me how, how much, much it's going to be pay. every month yeah. um, and so she, we got this big long list and she was like pick which one you want like do you want five years at this percent with this bank whatever so we picked and then I was on watching RT News and so we had picked, we were going with, we have a green rated house because we're buying a new build. So they have a special green rate, which is slightly less. And we were, you you told me last time, fix and fix for as long as you can. So we were fixing for, I think, seven years at this green rate. And I think it was, don't quote me, but it was like, you know, 2.7%. And then RT News was like, Bank of Ireland are increasing their interest rates. And I was like, oh, that doesn't apply to us because we've already told Ashley which one we're choosing. (laughs) And then like, that RT News hadn't finished but we had an email from Ashling saying hi I'm sure that you've seen the thing today so this means that your rate if it's not drawn down by the 5th of May is going to go up to was it 3.95 yeah. or was it a quarter of a percent or something yeah. and I was like oh my god I can't believe I'm a statistic like these things are <laughs> impacting me so then it was like this hustle to get the mortgage drawn down before the 5th of May so that we could get the lower rate now that means that we're already paying mortgage on a house that we don't live in yeah. but the buyers for our house also wanted to do the same thing. So they draw drew down their mortgage and we drew down ours, but we're still living in their house under a caretaker's agreement because they wanted the rate. Is this going to continue to happen? Like, can banks just increase your mortgage mm-hmm. if you're not fixed? Right. So what happened in your case was, and this has been a nightmare for the last six months. Okay. Um, whereby, again, you get a letter and you're, you're an email and these are your choices. And you guys go about your life. You go, okay, we've, as you say, we've picked that. That's got to be our repayment. Now we can move on. And when, in an era when interest rates weren't increasing, which was the case from basically 2009 to 2022, mm-hmm. that was always the case. But then the ECB, the European Central Bank, started increasing interest rates as a response to inflation. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what drives the mortgage interest rate. So every two months, the ECB kept increasing interest rates which meant that the banks were assessing, going, I'm really sorry, Stephanie, but when we offered you this money, the, the, the money, the ECB rate was X. Now that's gone up, which means it's going, to cost or more, it's going to cost us more. So now we have to charge you more. Okay. And unless your contract is at a certain stage or your buying process is at a certain stage, you're going to have to eat that increase or you won't get your mortgage. And is this going to continue to happen? It will continue to happen as long as the ECB keep hiking interest rates. Yeah, it's incredibly stressful. We have clients who are literally at the, they're like right at the edge. And then, yeah, and then the interest rate goes up. And because of that, the way the banks assess the loan, it's about affordability. So what they'll say, you may be able to afford the new increased interest rate, but they stress test it. So what they'll do is they'll add 2% to that quoted rate sometimes. Okay. And the stress test is in excess of what you can afford. You can afford the new amount, no problem. Okay. But the stress test might push you over, which means you thought you were borrowing, say, 300,000, but the stress test say you can now only borrow 290. And people might go, well, it's only 10 grand. That 10 grand is the difference between you closing on your property and not. Yeah. Because you were relying on the bank giving you that 300. Where are you going to find the extra 10 it's so to close stressful. It's incredibly stressful. Can I just ask, so if interest rates are increasing on that, does that mean that interest rates are also increasing on savings? <gasps> Don't mention it. It's the big secret. No, what we have is the great scam going on in Irish Financial Services today is right. we have banks putting thousands of borrowers 
through enormous amounts of stress and at the same time keeping their mum and dad's money on deposit and giving them 0.1%. So you have, at the moment, Irish banks, this is a fact, can place your, place the, your deposits on an overnight rate with the European Central Bank and earn 3.7% on it. But, but, but they'll give the depositor 0.1%. But why, is there any way of getting around, like can you put your money somewhere else where you're going to get more? Absolutely, we'll come to that in a sec. But the question is why? They're getting away with it. Simply, I, I mean it, like there's no, we have never had as much money on deposit. There's nearly, there's over 150 billion euro on deposit in this country. Yeah. Earning an average rate of 0.04%. So before the advice would have been, if you have a mortgage yeah. and you have savings, yeah. don't use your savings to clear the mortgage because uh, mortgage is the cheapest money you'll ever have. Correct. But has that advice changed now? Completely. So if you have savings, clear your mortgage. Don't leave yourself a liquid. Um, again, a couple of times I've been in here, I always say this, like ultimately what you want is liquidity. Liquidity is that if something happens in your life and you, you need a few quid, that you have some money there that's cash that you can put your hands on. If you put your cash into your mortgage, that's great and it is a great use of it, particularly if your mortgage interest is going to be like 4%. Mm -hmm. Get me an account that's guaranteeing you 4% return. But remember that if you have a cash crunch that you need a few quid, you can't go to the bank and get your 10 grand back or your 15,000 back. You know what I mean? You mm -hmm. need to. So just it's, so it's, what is, what, what's the advice on how much liquid to keep? Six months take home pay. Six months take home pay. Okay, and anything else? Put it into your mortgage. Or it, again, or put it into your pension or get it invested. Like, you know, what I mean? get, yeah. get the right advice. But is, is like, again, for 10 years, my I would have been saying, I don't know if it's really worth it because your mortgage interest is so small. But as you said, that has now changed. And to be honest with you, personally and professionally speaking, it's not going to go back. Mm -hmm. We're not going back to 0% interest rates. Okay. It's just not going to happen. So we're, we've got to get used to, and and to, I suppose to reassure people, I was looking Sorry, at this. My chair. Um, the uh, mortgage interest rates in 2017, mm -hmm. a five-year fixed was 4.5%. Right. It's kind of where we are today. So it's not like set our hair on fire type situation. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And uh, my brother reminded me uh, just over the weekend that he took out his mortgage in 1993, 92, 93. And... Uh, Within three months, his interest went to nineteen percent because it was a currency crisis, right? What? So yeah. Oh my yeah. god! And he said my dad had to give him the money to pay his mortgage. He just didn't have it. I I when I got my first house, I paid I fixed for five years, and that five and 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 the thing was, if I fixed for five years and I kept up my repayments and met all their criteria, they would give me cash back at that five years. Yes. <laughs> but that five years is next week, <laughs> so I missed it. <laughs> so I was fixed for five years, but I was trying to weigh it up because it was like. I think it was 1500 I would have gotten you know and I was like what you saved by getting the reduced rate is yeah. multiples of that yeah but Absolutely. it was really I was like oh you got me <laughs> um, okay let's get to listener sure. questions and if people want more advice um, yeah just like I said uh, go to rockwellfinancial.ie contact me directly on LinkedIn is our Twitter I'm at Robert W Rockwell and there's a free consultation for basically absolutely listeners. yes 100% yep. we've always had that offer tell them you listen to this podcast and they'll give yes. you free financial advice okay so uh, this is from I don't know if I meant to say the name so I won't I have a mortgage and two big loans crippling repayments should I consolidate into mortgage renewal Okay, I, I'll, I'll, let me just do the big disclaimer at the start for all the questions. Get advice. Personally. Before, so don't, what I'm going to give is a general answer. Yeah. So to any question, please, the disclaimer is, this is not your financial advice. Get advice, definitely get advice from a professional advisor. Talk to us, no problem. Talk to someone else, but right, so. 
In theory, yeah, it depends on the rate. So basically, it, it, what happens is short-term debt's very expensive, right? The most expensive debt you have is credit card debt. So credit card debt is coming in about between 18 and 25%, depending on the card. Oh, wow. Okay? And so if you have, um, that, but, but the fact that the listener has used the word crippling tells me it's, that's Severe, probably yeah. what it is, right? So in that case, and again, I'll give you the financial answer. The financial answer is it may not be in your best interest. If you weigh up the interest you would pay in the short term versus the long term, you may end up paying slightly more interest putting it over the long term. Let me give you the human answer. Yes, you're under enormous amount of stress. Even that, I can feel the stress From that coming off that message. It's not worth it. It's not a price worth paying here. So if you if 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 the advice is it can be done, and as a result of that, you will relieve the financial stress in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you as a financial advisor, it's a perfectly reasonable uh, course of action. Uh, I'm self I'm a self-employed tradesman, one employee. If I retire at sixty six, do I have to pay employee redundancy? That's a fantastic question. And more for an accountant, to be honest with you. And I'm not one. I'm going to say, do you have to pay redundancy? I don't know, Steph. Honestly, I, I, I would... Um, so it's one for an accountant? It's one for an accountant, yeah. Next question. How do I know if I am paying enough into my pension? <laughs> um, that's a great question. How do you know if you're paying enough? Firstly... Get your financial advisor to produce a report for you as to what you're expected at your current rate of contributions, what's your expected final fund likely to be. Mm -hmm. Then get your financial advisor to tell you what your expected income will look like from that final fund. So basically, if you're saving, say, 500 euros a month at the moment, whatever it is, right, and you're X age, if I save this amount and I get this amount of investment return for the next 20 years, how much am I likely to have? And then from that pot, what's my lifestyle likely to look like? Mm -hmm. that's when you'll know because if your financial advisor then tells you well you're likely to get an income of 25,000 a year including the state pension and the person goes oh Jesus that's not enough well then then you're not, you're not saving, saving enough. enough if it's oh that's fantastic well then you're saving enough how much does it cost to get comprehensive financial advice well you can get your first session free anyway <laughs> if you listen to this if you listen to this podcast and exactly the, the, the discerning listeners of the basically podcast um to be perfectly frank, every I've yet to meet a financial advisor who won't do an introductory meeting at no cost. Okay. To be perfectly frank, right? After that, it's they will usually present you with your options. And what they'll say is, is that there's two ways of paying. They'll either offer you a fee, where they'll say we'll produce maybe a comprehensive plan or you will execute some particular, you want them to do something for you. They'll say, we'll charge you a fee for this. Most people don't like paying fees, if I'm honest, because they're not used to it. Okay. So um, every... If there's a if there's a product at the end of the solution, the product provider, so the insurance companies, the Zorix, Irish Life, New Orleans of this world, will pay the financial advisor a commission for that. Now, the financial advisor is telling the client again, pay the commission on this. And if they charge a fee, they're basically saying, I won't charge, a, I won't get paid a commission because you're paying me the fee. Okay. But you can have the provider pay me the commission. So what I'm really trying to say is, is that if you don't want to really pay a fee and what the solution you're looking for carries a product at the end of it, Get the insurance company will pay. Ultimately, you're paying. That's not, you know what I mean? Ultimately, yeah. there's a, a part of your premium has gone to pay the advisor. But for 95% of people, it's the only way they're going to get professional advice because they can't afford. Like, ultimately, the, the, some advisors out there are charging up to five, six thousand euros for a plan. And people don't have that kind of money. How much for a plan? Five or six thousand. Wow. Yeah. And so, what, what's the way around that? To, to go. 
the way like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a number there, but the way around it is just to engage with a financial advisor and present the problem and then ask them straight, how can you solve it for me and how much is it going to cost me? And the financial advisor, if they're straight with you, will say, well, you can pay me a fee or your problem here requires a pension. And the pension, okay. uh, will, will, we'll make enough from the pension to pay our fee. So therefore, you don't have to write me a check. Basically. Okay, that, well, that makes sense. I want to talk to you for a minute about our sponsor, Rockwell Financial Management. And wait until the end of this ad because they have an offer for you. Rockwell Financial, they offer wealth management advice for everyone. Small to medium enterprise owners, executives, people. And so that you can take your time to run your life and run your business and they can deal with your wealth. So they help you to protect and enhance your wealth if you're a sole trader or you're running a business with over like 100 employees. They have really, really unique experience in helping you extract wealth from your business in a tax efficient way. Not tax evasion, tax efficiency. So they specialise with um, self-employed people and SMEs and they understand exactly what it's like to be in their position um, and they have tailored advice accordingly. They have no interest in complexity for the sake of it. They just want to get to the point pretty quickly. And no matter where you are in the country, they can work with you because they can also work over Zoom. And they specialise in exit strategies like um, getting money out of your pension, succession plans and vital business protection. But they're not just limited to that. They're really proud supporters of women in business and... they can be the most underserved people when it comes to wealth management advice and so they have a special offer for um, basically listeners go to rockwellfinancial.ie forward slash basically and you will get a complimentary wealth management discovery meeting they identify the top three quick wins for your wealth management strategy and you'll be entered into a draw for a complimentary full day's coaching with one of the top business advisors in the country If you are enjoying my podcast and you're enjoying my Instagram content and you think, you know what, how can I help Stephanie? How can I support Stephanie? I just want to give back, you know. There's a way, there is a way, Cam. You can sign up to become a Headstuff Plus member. It'll give you bonus content, content, extra episodes, and you can sign up by going to headstuffpodcasts.com. You become kind of one of the Headstuff community at that point and you can get in touch with me, get podcasts on demand whatever you want covered we'll cover it it's definitely worth a fiver a month go for it how do you do a capital gains tax return after selling your family home to buy another there is no capital gains tax on the sale of a family dwelling so if you bought your house for three hundred thousand and you've sold it for six hundred thousand in your head you think you've made three hundred thousand but your own primary dwelling is always traded tax-free what is this side hustle that everyone is talking about where they're making money? Um, okay. <laughs> if, and again, this is more a society, a societal question maybe. Um, so maybe get, um, I don't know, um, well, an anthropologist I... in. But I think it's a consequence of COVID. So basically, here's the truth. Um, working from home has presented people with opportunities whereby they're able to carry out duties that wouldn't necessarily be part of their day-to-day job. And it's not to say that they're neglecting their day-to-day job, but what they're finding is, is that if I do something on the side, such as I am of a certain skill set that allows me to put my wares on a website like Fiverr or something like that, Mm -hmm. and people can contract me to do particular work for them, I would be, I might do deliveries. At yeah. night time. A side hustle is effectively, and I'm, for, and I'm not going to do some um, rant here about, um, but it's a consequence of people feeling they're not making enough money from their actual job to make ends meet. Yeah. That they feel like they need, and I don't think, personally speaking, 
Um, I remember I, I was uh, listening to a radio at the weekend and someone was saying that their only way to make ends meet, it was a, a thing in the UK, a, a programme done by IT, ITV News, and she was 67 and the only way she could afford to make, make her, her ends meet and pay her energy bills was to work a third job. She was already working two jobs. She's 67, getting the UK state pension. And the only way was to be, that's how, that was how much poverty she was in. I know a couple of people have side hustles, like a friend of mine does eyebrows in the evening, yeah. even though that's not her job. Another guy is a graphic designer by, like in his actual job, but he also designs things outside of that. Other people have, you know, they might do mixers, like an electrician might do some stuff, yeah. cash in hand. So, not That's everyone honest. is at it, but some people are. To be honest with you, I think you've said it yourself there. Side hustle is the 2023 word for a nixer. Right, okay. Um, I have a tracker mortgage. Should I move? I have 11 years left on it. Oh, God. So remember the disclaimer at the start. Um, this is not financial advice, but it is now time to certainly strongly consider um, your tracker rate as a result of DCB they're, they're going to go to 3.75 their forecasting DCB goes to 4.5 okay. so if you have a 1% tracker it means you're going to pay 5.5 you can get a mortgage today at 4.2 ok so get financial advice 100% and it's definitely 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 time for track trackers have had a really I've always said trackers had a great 10 years it was the best party in the world you know you were but just it's over oh, now we're, now we're going to hang over and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I need a financial advisor to set up an investment fund for me, for example, Zurich? You can go directly to them, but you'll pay exactly the same fees and get, in my opinion, far inferior advice. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So yes. there's, a, there's no, can you physically do it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is there any financial incentive to do it? None. Not really. Should I invest savings into, a big comp into big company shares for good return on investment? Um... Warren Buffett has a saying that he never buys shares, he buys companies. Okay. Okay, and he's obviously very, very world's most famous investor. So I would never discourage anybody from investing in the markets because of 120 years of evidence to show that you actually earn a return. However, one, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Make sure you have a diversified portfolio. Two, make sure you're taking the long-term outlook. Do not think, as a retail investor, you have an edge. Mm -hmm. I promise you. You don't know as much about the companies you're going to buy as the actual market knows because this is their full-time job and they've been doing it for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So if you f believe that you want to earn a return on your money that's in excessive inflation, you have 120 years of evidence that says if you put it into a global basket of funds, stocks right, and shares, uh, uh, that it will earn a return. However, you must, I always say, investing directly in shares is not for the faint-hearted, requires a strong stomach. If you have both of those and a long-term objective, yes, but get financial advice. How to pick the right mortgage rate? Probably a basic question, but interest, interest, AP or C, cashback, etc. is confusing. One, use a broker, and because that's literally their job, is to give you advice on that. But two, oh, right. No one can forecast. Forecasting interest rates is a dangerous game. Mm -hmm. However... I always, about fixing and stuff like that, look at your, your APRC and all that. As you said, what am I paying back? Yeah. So strip it back to what, how much is my monthly repayment going to be? Mm -hmm. And from there, you then go, well, is that affordable? And will if interest rates, if I take, say take a five-year rate, and if interest rates drop, am I going to be beating myself up no. Well then, yeah, there's your there's your answer. It's a very simple mm -hmm. answer. If you can afford the monthly repayment and your broker or your advisor is saying to you, listen, 
interest rates might remain this level for two, three years or whatever. They might come back down. But on the aggregate, you're probably you're probably okay around that and you can afford that monthly repayment. It, it, Occam's razor. Sometimes the obvious answer is the right answer. And like on that, we, we don't think mortgage rates are going to go down. The interest rates are going to go down very much. So the, the market, yeah. <laughs> the bond market, okay, not for today, but the bond market forecast, DCB is going to get the four and a half and then tail off next year. So okay. basically what they're, the bond market's opinion is that the globally, central banks effectively want to drive economies into recession to halt inflation. Okay. Okay. So what they want to do is to take money out of our pockets, which they're doing, by the way. So they're taking money out of our pockets yeah. by increasing our, our, our repayments on our mortgages. And that will cool the economy. And then therefore, we'll have less inflation. And therefore, they may next year start to reduce. But we're never going back. To, I say this, never, Jesus. But anyway, never is a strong word to use. But it's highly, I can't see a scenario where we go back to 0% interest rates again. Okay. I have another question here on a low fixed rate mortgage for the next two years. But I'm worried about the increase when the rate fixed rate ends. Should I break the current fixed rate now? No. Okay. Don't. Um, best place to keep my savings currently just sitting in a current account so uh, there is a great website that you can use called Raisin now I have nothing to do with them I Raisin have no is fi- in R-A-I-S-I-N exactly okay right uh, Raisin.ie I have nothing to do with them yeah. I have no affiliation I can't do anything for you but I found them and I said that's a fantastic solution to the problem I spoke about at the start Irish banks are taking your money and giving you 0% on it. Mm-hmm. Now, they have access to, it's a great model and have access to all these European banks. Yeah. If you, no, you have to leave it in for a year. Okay. So it's one year fixed. But you can get up to 3.5%. Three, three if you invest your money with Raisin. No, what they do is they actually just introduce you to, it's like there's Lithuanian banks and Portuguese oh, banks. Okay. So basically what you're getting is second tier European banks. But crucially, all your the you're covered by the government bank guarantee up to a hundred thousand. Okay. So it's as safe as put from a an investment perspective in terms of risk. It's it's as safe as giving it to Bank of Ireland or AIB, even though the banks wouldn't be as big. Big, yeah. But because it's covered by the bank guarantee, that's all you want. So you can. But you must leave it. They're offering one year again. And I'm very conscious of it. I rarely mention, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And I hope people use them because I what I think we need to do is to force. Irish banks to get with the bloody programme yeah. and start giving savers a return. That sounds like a great thing. I'm going to look into that. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to go with two more questions and then we'll finish up. Sure. Um, a vulture fund took over my mortgage. Am I bound to same interest hikes? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, if living in the UK, any benefits to keeping my savings in Irish accounts versus UK accounts? Mm, the only benefit would be currency. Um, so if you are living in the UK and your savings are in euro, mm-hmm. well, then the problem you have is that you can't, you would, say you left 20,000 euro in an Irish bank mm-hmm. and you're living over in London. Well, your, your, your life is in London, which means your life is in sterling. Yes. So just remember that your 20,000 euro when you left may have, say it was worth 17,000 pounds yeah. sterling. But in three years time, that could be worth 16,000 pounds or it could be worth 19,000 pounds because the, currency has shifted so there is always currency risk with leaving you so the only re- the only benefit would be if when you came home you just said well that's my walking around money you know what I mean so yeah. that's, uh, that's fine but just currency risk is, is real is real yeah. and the last question how can I financially prepare for maternity leave when my employer doesn't offer cover uh, save like a devil yeah honestly that's it mm-hmm. um, see if you can come to an arrangement with your employer most uh, SMEs 
the hardest thing to do as an SME is to find good people. Okay. Most SME, in SME, corporates, you can't have this conversation. But if they don't pay maternity benefits, They're I'm assuming it's, it's an yeah. SME, right? They're reasonable people who want to look after their people. Yeah. I'm sure if you had a conversation and said, listen, is there something we can come to here? Yeah. An arrangement, right? Um, they might be able to do something for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so I'm saying, have, a, have an honest conversation with your boss and see if there's anything they can do legally, etc., within the lines of HR law and all that type of stuff. Robert Whelan, thank you so much. We had loads of other questions, but unfortunately we didn't have time to get through them today. But all basically listeners are entitled to a complimentary financial advice session with Rockwell Financial. Robert, thank you very much. As always, we'll thank have you, you back Stephanie. soon. Great stuff. Thanks again for listening to that podcast. Our music is by Only Rue and our graphic design is by Michael O'Gara. We're produced by Megan Fox and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.